a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, James Iandoli. He is the host and creator of Engaging the Phenomenon, a phenomenal channel and a wonderful resource for UFO disclosure, any kind of information along those lines. Uh, he's had such people on his show as uh, Greg Cameron, uh, Luis Elizondo, Richard Dolan several times, uh, Jacques Vallée, Paula Harris. So all of the who's who in ufology, this dude is connected with and is a able to get the real scoop and to really pick their brains on the research that they've been doing for decades. So uh, without any further ado, guys, make sure that you check out the show notes in the bottom description down there for all the links to find James as well as this show. And uh, let's get to the conversation, guys. This is an awesome one. Without any further ado, James Iandoli. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show this very special episode from Engaging the Phenomenon. We have James Iandoli. How are you, brother? I'm doing awesome, man. I see you got my name right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were laughing about it before. I, I like to ask just, just you know, to be sure or whatever. I want everybody to be comfortable. I don't want to be that guy, you know, that can't pronounce names. Uh, so, dude, so good to see you, brother. Uh, we had talked about doing one of these a while back cards finally aligned, man, and here we are. So you run an incredible show called Engaging the Phenomenon. Uh, I will put, of course, all of the ways to find you in the show description down there. So you guys just go check that out. Uh, so what got you uh, started with the show, brother? Oh, man. Well, you know what? Engaging the Phenomenon is actually uh, something like a culmination of, of all my work and ideas and kind of my own uh, evolution into investigating the, the UFO subject and consciousness and kind of everything that goes with that. Uh, I actually, um, I got started early on kind of studying UFOs and metaphysics because I, I had my own contact experiences. And um, through that, I got involved in CE5, um, which, you know, the, the term CE5 itself has become somewhat of a, um, has its own stigma because of its relationship to uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who is now more than ever a controversial character. Um, but I got heavily involved in, in CE5 and the CE5 initiative, and I created the first um, CE5-based uh, social networking groups. And I've actually been pretty publicly involved with the UFO, UFO issue since that time. So around 2009, 2010 is when I became more publicly involved and I had you know, um, some different projects over the years, but engaging the phenomenon is the, again, the culmination and, and, um, uh, and, and like blending of all my ideas and work and experience up to this point. 
Well, it's a fantastic show, man, and you do some incredible work, which we are going to get into. But I got to say this about you, man, and uh, this for all the listeners from my audience that isn't familiar with you, man. Uh, you are the like nicest guy in the world. Uh, you're like the UFO <laughs> sweetheart. Uh, I just coined that term for you, so T-shirts uh, to be coming out soon, probably. Uh, so everybody, you're like Brent Rains. Do you know who Brent Rains is? I don't. Oh my god, I've got to connect you two. Y'all are like you're. He's like your future self. So he's like yeah. you in like five <laughs> years, dude. So anyway, uh, y'all are both just so sweet. You have phenomenal reputations and your your research is impeccable. You just, you draw people to you that are so influential in the field. You had Jacques Vallée on, on your fifth episode with Paula Harris. I mean, how, like, it, it just the way that you are, like I said, nobody has anything bad to say about you, including myself, man. I think you're one of the nicest people I've ever gotten to talk to. So thank you again for your time. So for my audience that doesn't know you, how do you cult a reputation such as yours? Tell us a little bit about you. Well, if you, if you want to know the secret, it's, it's pure luck. <laughs> just In like Brent. Case. He said the same it's, thing. He was like, oh, I'm mailing them their check, you know. You guys are just humble. It's just, well, my, it's, I mean... You know, all these things, I, I'm just kind of caught in the, you know, unfolding of reality as it is. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd like to think, yeah, you know, I, I pushed things in this way and I did this and, you know, but um, man, there were, it's really just the way things happened, you know, really. Um, uh, I guess, you know, somewhat being an experiencer in a sense gives me some kind of boldness. Um, not, not in a negative way. Cause I've seen that where, um, you know, sometimes people can put, put their ideas before others because of that. But I mean, it in a way of, um, you know, this, yeah, like this is kind of fun and interesting for me to do, but I, you know, I, this is not a hobby to me, you know, this is like a, part of a life mission, you know, as me finding answers and, uh, feeling, I guess, a, a sense of obligation to share it with others. Uh, cause I think it's really important. Um, and, and speaking about contact, uh, specifically is transformative and the idea with, you know, CE five or human initiated contact events, um, people can have their own kind of personal disclosure, of, of kind of knowing without a doubt that, uh, you know, the phenomenon exists uh, and is here. Um, so that, that's kind of like on the, I guess you can say like the experiencer side, but, and, you know, another thing is I'm just, just constant in what I do. I'm constantly reaching out to different people. Um, and I, you know, I've, I, people probably know me through engaging the phenomenon, um, which I, I created the, 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 the name engaging the phenomenon um, in 2018, I created a Twitter and my YouTube at that time. And uh, I was more involved in the research community um, kind of out front instead of just like in organizing groups and stuff. But um, so at that time um, is, is really when people became familiar with me uh, but I had I'd been already in the game for nine years, speaking to different researchers, making connections and networking. So yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I've been at it a while. I've been at it a lot longer than than people probably think because they only seen me in the last few years. But, you know, I used to be messaging with <laughs> Richard Dole and back in like 2009, 2010, I'd message him, uh, you know, regularly. And, and back then he was on more on social media 
Uh, so he was responsive. And, I, you know, so I was I was actually talking to other researchers back then on a regular basis. And so when I came out with engaging the phenomenon as a project, I already had kind of a network of people I was connected with. And, you know, they were all really cool. And, um, you know, people like Grant Cameron um, uh, helped me out in different ways and Richard Dolan. And, you know, I got a lot of people to thank for that. So. Some heavy hitters, man. And you're absolutely right. That's how you do it. You cultivate the relationships by being engaged in them for a long time. And I love the name of your show, dude, engaging the phenomena and how kinetic it is, how, how expressive it is to the point to where, no, we're going after it. You know, it's not a passive kind of a title. It's very engaging, man. I mean, so kudos, dude. And you yeah, know, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it's brilliant, Sorry. right? No, 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 you're good. I was just going to praise you some more and say that, I mean, all this thing is, is finding a name that, you know, is fantastic that fits. And then other people look at it like engaging the phenomenon. And they're like, damn it, dude. Why did, why didn't I get that name? I, <laughs> I actually get this with expanding reality. People are like, what, why the hell didn't I think of that? And just like you, cause it wasn't for them engaging the phenomenon, dope ass title. That was for you all along, dude. You've always had it. It's, uh, yeah. I appreciate that. And I, you know, I, I like the name myself and I, I was, I was actually thinking of a name and I was playing with some ideas and, um, and then I got engaging the phenomenon and I was like that it just, yeah, that's right. And, and I want to also note to, to people listening that, you know, engaging the phenomenon uh, you can engage the phenomenon in so many different ways, you know, by what you're doing with podcasts, uh, you know, by asking questions, by investigating, by blogging, by doing journalism, by making a YouTube channel or anything. Any of those are engaging the phenomenon. You're just engaging it in your own way. And I think, you know, the UFO phenomenon is kind of like one of those global issues where, like, it's going to take all of us to understand this and, and probably a long time too. Um so, you know, we need people that are like in, you know, academia, scientists, even though, you know, people may criticize them for being skeptics, you know, they help, they help in certain ways too, right? Um, they help us sharpen our, our tool set, so to speak, because they ask good questions and like a skeptic will ask a question and I'll be like, oh, wait, that's a good idea. And you got to make sure you have what you're saying in line for the, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was actually... I feel lucky again to have uh, thought of that name because afterwards I was like, wow, man, that is a cool name. It's brilliant. <laughs> I'm telling the kinetic element to it, the, the ever searching it's, it's, it's f perfect. And exactly what you said, you could do it in any number of ways. Now, um, something to the way that you said about marrying the phenomena with science. I mean, I, I agree with this. This is a stance I've taken on the show the entire time. Uh, Brent Rains, actually, and then a guy named Bob Davis. So when I had Bob Davis on, they're both experiencers. They're both very deep into the phenomena. Uh, Bob Davis is a neuroscientist, so he's got that doctorate background and all of that, and he looks at it scientifically. Uh, they all hooked up. I'm, I'm going to get you hooked up with all these people off air. So uh, they all hooked up with uh, these ladies named um, uh, Lynn... Lynn Miller and Barbara Mango, and they wrote a book called Convergence, and all of them are in this book, and that's what they do. They were part of uh, the Edgar, Ed, Edgar Mitchell Foundation, and what they did was is that they went in and they looked at the phenomenon from a very scientific approach, and that's how all of them met. That's how all of them got together, and so this is the point. I, I have been engaged in that part of the phenomenon for serious lately. It's been something that I think is the next step to it, just like you. And just like you, I've got the idea that we don't know what the hell the phenomena is. So that leads me to my next question. I know you don't plant your flag personally, but if you have a favorite, like a favorite idea, is it any, any of the ideas for what the phenomena is? What is yours? If I had a favorite where 
I'm like, okay, I think that's the coolest. Yeah. Um, it would have to be extra dimensional. Yeah. Right. Just cause I don't, just cause I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, I just, um, I mean, you know, I've, I'll, I'll actually say this in, in one of my experiences early on in 2007, um, the, uh, part of the telepathic lock on or download I got, uh, it, they told me that they were extraterrestrial, right? I, I thought they did. So, but the, you know, the more I examine that, the more I'm thinking, um, it was symbolic, like they, they were saying something like that. So I would understand kind of the process of what's going on. Um, cause I, you know, I've really, um, looked into the idea of using like a, a, a Buddhist type, um, self-investigation method on, on contact, um, which it cannot, you know, it's not always comfortable to do that because you're questioning your own ideas and things like that. Um, and your own experiences. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't say that it's even one phenomenon per se. Um, I think that, that we're probably dealing with several phenomena. Um, but we use the term phenomenon to point to kind of everything that connects to the UFO phenomenon. And I, you know, and I like that. I put it in the name of my, uh, my, my channel and project. Um, so I, I do think that like the extraterrestrial hypothesis, I don't see, I, I see that as the most plausible um, just because of the, you know, the, the huge vast, amount of space that's out there and it's there's there's got to be a civilization out there that's like a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand years more advanced than us than us in our own you know uh, milky way galaxy and if, if they're that advanced they can probably reach us or observe us um and the the interdimensional thing you know kind of brings up all these questions you know where they just kind of have to change their frequency and boom they're kind of in our dimension um but my so I think they're they're all plausible, um, but I my favorite I think is extra dimensional. <laughs> extra dimensional is really cool. A guy named Paul Askoff uh, he's under Philip Mantle's Flying Disc Press. Man, another dude. I'm, you've got to talk to this guy. His thing is the interdimensional thing, but it ties all of it together. It shows Bigfoot, any cryptid you could think of, mermaids, all that stuff, Fey folk, uh, UFOs, great, all of it. Everything is tied into one bubble that it's just, yes, out of phase from this dimension. And therefore, they can, of course, be transient in this dimension. And then he breaks down all kinds of ideas. It's just electromagnetic phenomena, which can hijack your memory. It can erase. You, they only let you remember what, you, what they want you to remember, um, which leads me to my next question. So uh, let's talk about your contacts, if you don't mind. I, I'm curious to know, you mentioned transformative earlier. So what was the most transformative experience you had? The most, um, I mean, they, they're all transformative in their own way. Um, and, I, and I'm talking about the kind of bigger events, like the, the high level contact events I had, because, um, you know, doing CE5, I've, I've done CE5s where there were true unknowns or like a true anomaly, not something that's questionable hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, but I, there were several that were like majorly um, transformative. and um, the first, the first kind of set of events, because I think, I think they're all connected was in, in 2007. And that was a whole series of events. Um, 
it started, I, I, I don't know if, have you ever heard me tell the story about the Dreamtime contact one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say it started with that. And then I had something akin to a near-death experience. It wasn't a true near-death experience. It was a trauma-induced out-of-body experience. And then the day after that, I had another like experience, which was a telepathic lock-on. And I was told to come out of my house and I had this download and there was this craft there. And that's, that's the one where they said, or they communicated in, in a way that, that said that they were extraterrestrials. But again, I kind of question that's actually what they were trying to literally say. Um, and, and that was like a whole set of events. So, I mean, I can, I can go into that if you like, but that's, that's like a whole story. But then um, that's what led me to CE5. And I actually had a CE5 event. Um, it was in, I'm trying to think if it was in 2010 or 2011. I actually wrote, you know, I obviously I wrote this whole thing down because it was insane. Um, but I, it was somebody else's first CE5. And I was at this point doing CE5 for a few years, um, uh, probably more than I should have. I was, you know, at that point I was doing it daily and I was doing meditation for hours a day and stuff like that. You get obsessed. Um, yeah, I got, yeah, because, you know, I had those other experiences and I was having results. So it's kind of like, okay. No, it makes um, sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I don't see how you could do anything else. If you can contact like that at will or, you know, do do a certain standards of meditation practice or anything like that, or just staying vigilant on it. Uh, yeah, I would do it all the time. Sure. Yeah. And then, so in, in 2010 or 2011, I had this uh, outstanding event, which I think was the most visually aesthetic um, so as far as visuals, it, that one was the, the craziest, but also, um, it, it was, you know, there was, there's so much going on that I was, I was thinking, I'll, I'll just go, I'll go through that one really quick because it, it kind of gets onto the point of what I was saying. So it was, it was somebody in my family's, um, first CE5, they, they knew I was into it. And, uh, they were interested and they said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to do your, your CE5? Uh, so I said, yeah, sure. And I said, listen, don't expect anything. It's, it's your first time doing it. And, you know, just don't have expectations. We'll look at this as a practice. And they're like, okay, sure. You know, um, and they, they had been somewhat familiar with meditation and, and, kind of meta metaphysics because so because of um somebody that they knew so they were partially involved in that a little bit just very mildly um okay so we we go do the um a 20 minute ce5 meditations literally uh a, a 20 minute ce5 uh guided meditation by stephen greer uh, and back then i actually used those more um, so we, we did the thing. And, and again, so it's, e it's easy for them to kind of a, a newcomer to follow along using that rather than me say like, Hey, do this and this, you know, it's a whole guided process so they can go through it. So we did that and, um, we finished and, um, um, you know, I'm opening the door to the room we were in and there were uh, my other family members were in the living room. They had the lights off because they were watching a movie and it's about 9 PM or, you know, between nine, nine thirty PM. And they're like, somebody was, was taking pictures outside. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, there's, there's, there's lights. There's, you know, someone's taking pictures with the flash camera. And when they're saying that I see the whole room light up 
And it looks like, like if I didn't know better, I'd say it's lightning from outside. So I instantly got excited because that's something you see in the field with field work sometimes where for no reason, the entire, you know, the entire area lights up and right after that activity starts. Um, so I, I instantly kind of had the idea. I was like, holy crap, maybe just, you know, it's going on. The contact is going on now. So I'm, I'm running outside my house. I grab my laser, which I don't advise people use. Uh, for safety reasons, but disclaimer, I, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so I get outside, and there, there's these two, you know, craft. They are they kind of look almost like satellites, but a little bigger, and uh, they're like this in the sky. And one of them flashes, and then the other flashes. Um, so I'm like, holy crap, that's it! Oh, I was right after. So I shine my laser in the middle where the two, you know, points of light were ball, you know, orbs or balls of light. And then they each flashed, uh, you know, almost like they were flashing at each other. And then I'm like, Oh crap. It's, you know, this is happening. And the, the, my family member. Oh, I, and I forgot to say my family member who was with me, as soon as we finished the meditation, they said to me that they received in their meditation, uh, look for the lights. And I'm thinking like, you know, I, you know, I believe that they could have received that message, but at the same time, I was like, okay, maybe they just, kind of it was their own voice in their head right i wasn't putting my stock in it um (laughs) you know i probably i should uh not say that but that you know that was my my real thinking was like uh, maybe maybe they received it maybe they didn't i didn't really think much of it to be honest um but sure enough um as soon as those two crafts flashed at each other the entire sky uh began to have activity in different areas all at the same time. And almost everywhere you looked, um, like I looked up to my right and there was uh, a purple orb that had a structure of a craft around it and it it was lit lit up and it it flashed a few times and then it was just moving there, purple light. And another point in the sky, there's a red light, another one, there's a green light and there's um, flash bulbs so there's different points in the sky that are just flashing independently like um we call them flash bulbs so like like a single point of um the sky is just flashing uh you know once or twice and in all different areas and then you know while all this is going on there's different streakers coming through the sky like alleged meteors but they're literally making s turns and stuff and you know every few seconds one would be going by and they're coming in the sky in different directions. Um, so, I, you know, of course I went in, I got my other family members, they came out and we were watching this for almost, almost a half an hour. This is going on. And I'm like freaking out <laughs> because, you know, even with my prior contact experience, this was magnificent. And like if, if you were to count like every flash and, and point of light and this object and this other one shooting here, there were, you know, by the time the whole event ended, there were hundreds of different manifestations. Um, so I, I jokingly call this a, an intergalactic initiation, um, you know, just kind of like a half joking thing. But um, so I, I, I wonder, because if all those different manifestations represented even a, a single entity, per per manifestation that would mean that there were hundreds of different ets or extra dimensionals or whatever at that point in that which which i 
like thinking back on it, I find it hard to believe initially that because back then 2010, 2011, that was my kind of realm of thinking. I did think it was at that point, I did think it was probably maybe like um, at least a group of different entities that would have had to come by to make that happen. Um, but that one um, was, uh, it was just a super powerful um, event. And I could, at, even at the, with the, my prior experiences, I could have never imagined that that would have happened, um, especially with my entire family present. Um, so that, I mean, and that was from a CE5. You know, my my other experiences that were that happened to be really extraordinary, I didn't do anything. They just happened to me, um, as far as I know and can tell. Um, even though they were connected, I, I didn't instigate, instigate those. This was an instigated event, and this got an incredibly overwhelming response. And um, so, I mean, that's that's powerful, right? That you can, you could as an individual or, or small group of people, you know, go out and have a genuine contact event that's completely unexplainable and, and incredible. And, you know, one of the things I like about uh, contact work in CE5 is it's like, it's where the rubber meets the road um, with UFOs. And even if you want to say consciousness, right? Because this is an objective event happening. Like if, even I, I love the idea of like remote viewing and the, all the studies they've done. It's incredible, but it's not as tangible. You can always say, Oh, they just got lucky or they guessed it. Right. Even if it's inexplicable, they, they, there's always the room for guess, right? This, you know, with, with, you know, CE five or human initiated contact events, this was an ob objective event that was observed by a group of people. Um, that's, I mean, again, it was brought on by consciousness, right? But yet we're having, um, you know, seemingly this, this physical encounter. And and right towards the end of the encounter, um, and I'm telling you this, like I had uh, like almost like a what you can call like a kundalini experience during this event. Like my body felt electrified and um, I, I had an, a very powerful elation or feeling of bliss and connectedness um, to the entire universe, if, if you want to say it like that. And um, right at the end of this event, um, less than 10 feet away from me, um, there were orbs on the ground level, um, like right by like my knee and my chest and my shoulder level, like in this almost a pyramid structure. You know, there was two here, three, and then four, and they were like phasing in and out of reality. And they were like these um, yellowish um, orbs. <laughs> and it was, it was incredible. And, um, and th the only reason the whole event ended that I can, I mean, you know, for, for all I know, more would have happened, but I was like, I have to go get my friend. Um, Cause my friend, we, I was supposed to pick him up at 10 o'clock. And, um, and sometimes I pick him up at like nine 45. So I'm like, I have to go get Dave. I have to go get Dave because, you know, he's the one who usually goes out with me. I'm like, I was, he was joining me three or four times a week to do CE fives. And, uh, so I'm like, I gotta go get him. And, you know, even when I'm leaving, there's some of the activity going. And, uh, one of, one of my family members before and after said they were following you. Um, 
But I, you know, I, I left even with some of the activity going on still. And uh, when I came back, it was dead silent. And I, I hate, <laughs> I get so upset with myself that I, that I uh, left that, but I, I wanted to share that with my friend. And unfortunately, by the time I got him and went back, they were gone. And I was, you know, still like almost uh, shaking in a sense, the whole night. I was just like still in that state, you know? It's amazing. And it is, it's very interactive, as you said. I mean, it's, it is a very chosen experience. So CE5, for the listeners that may not know that, do you just mind uh, doing a quick breakdown on the CE5 protocol? Well, yeah. So I, I want to point out here too, um, and you can kind of like interrupt me and, and kind of steer it how you want, but there's there's the CE5 um, as like as a whole, right? So the idea of CE5 is a human initiated contact event or experience. So that's just somebody that's that's intentionally inviting a close encounter with UFO intelligence and having an encounter. Um, and and there were people that had been doing that before Dr. Stephen Greer, and Stephen Greer founded the CE5 protocols and the terminology for CE5 in 1992 or 1993. Uh, although people were doing what we would call CE5 in the 70s. And, and actually, the more you look back in history, the more you see, you know, John D was using Enochian magic. And, and you know, the further you go back in history, there's, there's more of just, um, you know, you have indigenous tribes having contact with star people, right? Um, so that's technically CE5. But um, there's also what we call the CE5 protocols, which are unique to to Dr. Stephen Greer's method of of doing CE5, right? Um, So the CE5 protocols, um, the way Stephen Greer teaches it is that you do a form of meditation and um, just for Dr. Stephen Greer was a TM instructor, right? For uh, uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the transcendental meditation, um, guru so actually stephen greer was an instructor for him so when stephen greer teaches it he teaches his tm method so he gives you a mantra you recite the the mantra um silently and and until you get to kind of like a refined state of awareness um although um you can use any kind of meditation method you want to go ahead and do a ce5 you don't have to use that you can use pranayama uh mindfulness vipassana you know however you get to um, a very calm and relaxed, uh, state of mind. Um, so, I, just, if you were going to do the C5 protocols, I would say do at least a 20 to 30 minute meditation to prime yourself. Okay. Once you're in that calm and centered state where you kind of feel primed, um, then you, the, the kind of, um, uh, trademark, I guess you can say of, of Stephen Greer's, CE5 is is called coherent thought sequencing, and uh, or he calls it CTS, and this uh, is where you use um, either remote viewing if you're confident you can re- remote view, or like an advanced form of coherent visualization, and you you visualize deep space or UFOs and UFO intelligence wherever they may be. And you visually, in one stream of thought, vector them to your actual field location, you know. So you might go, um, you might remote view or visualize deep space and then the Milky Way galaxy 
and then our solar system, and then the planet Earth, and then your country or continent, and then your state or city or, or town, and then your actual field site. And you'd go back and forth in a coherent stream, maybe for 10 to 15 minutes of doing that process. Um, and that's and then it's basically just uh, break and repeat, break and repeat. Um, and if you're doing it with a group, you can have a group of people just meditating and then another group of people doing the, the coherent thought sequencing or or you can just, you know, you can just do it in your own way. So what do you think about the idea that uh, let Hawking had uh, that said that we were crazy for trying to contact these things because anything that can make it here would make quick work of us. Now, I tend to think that he may have viewed that through the lens of a human being, that that's what we do, uh, and that they might not be so reticent to do that. That's just my opinion on it. But then you look at that because he, he was a he didn't care for what Sagan did about sending the contact out. Uh, and then yeah. now you're bringing them down and showing everybody. But th- what what made you confident that what Hawking predicted wouldn't happen the first time that you did a call down type of an event. Well, I'll say it. And, and, and Lou Elizondo said this in his MUFON symposium event is they're already here. They've been here. They've been here the whole time. Um, not that that doesn't make, um, you know, not that that doesn't mean a negative event can happen, but they're already here and, you know, they are advanced. They know what's up. <laughs> um, so there's that, right. The second uh, the more personal, I guess you can say, is I my experiences that I had, the ones from um, when I was younger, the one I the ones I had when I, in 2007, kind of when things picked up again. Um, those events to me were they were positive, right? I, I hate to use such a plain word and so subjective word, but they were positive events. The contact for me was enriching. Um, it was a benefit to me in, in my own perspective. And I know people can say, Oh, well, you know, the UFO intelligence or extra dimensionals, whatever, they can control your perspective and make you think that. Um, but I can look at my life and, and see that it, you know, there's been no harm done to me in any way that I can tell, um, by, um, you know, having this engagement with the phenomenon. So, um, that's, that's another way of looking at it. Um, if you want to take a look at, Again, uh, CE5 and uh, the CE5 initiative and and the thousands of people that go out and do this, you know, none of them are reporting being harmed or abducted. Um, And I I think that part and and I'm not trying to discount people who have negative experiences, not at all. I think that when you approach the phenomenon from a positive mindset, it's possible that the intelligences that you're attracting by doing that are are ones that are already evolved and peaceful. That's my feeling on it. I can't prove that, but it it seems to me that if you're in a positive state and you're projecting gratitude and inviting peaceful beings, that's generally what you get, you know? This is a question I had for you. Uh, th- that You nailed it, man. Uh, so what about if somebody is malevolent or in a bad mood or something like that, and they go to one of these CE5s, so they pick up on the technique, they went to a couple, they paid for Guru's program, now they're doing it in their backyard, and they're just in a bad way, man. And do you think that it's possible then to lock onto entities that vibrate at that frequency? Because that's basically what we're talking about here. You're marrying a lot of metaphysics type of understandings, which I love, uh, with the UFO phenomena and its inhabitants, and that it's a very intelligent, connected, personal thing for you. So 
how personal is it? Do you just bring down what frequencies vibrate for you? And is it possible, like I said in the beginning, for somebody to bring something bad down based on how they're feeling or that they had a case of the Mondays? Right. Yeah. And that's a great question. And um, I, I can only speak on this from like from experience in the sense that I've well, actually, other people that I know, too. There's been times where I was in a really shitty mood. Right. And. I, I was like, I, I don't even feel like doing the C5 right now, but I'm outside anyways. And I'm looking at the sky and I have a positive experience that uplifts me. Right. And I'm like, wow. You know, um, it's almost like this. They were saying, you know, what the intelligence was saying, like, it's OK, man, kind of thing and acknowledgement. And this is not something unique to me. I know plenty of, of, of my other friends um, who are into CE5 who had this experience happen. And I don't know if that's because we're already kind of like in touch with whatever entities or intelligences are, are open to interacting with us. Um but it is something that it does happen. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to also address the negative thing. Um, I don't think that's impossible. I, um, I think if you're in a negative state, you're more likely to bring on not even something that's just like UFO intelligence, but like shadow people, right? That kind of thing. I think in a sense, it's possible to open yourself up to it up to um negative experiences when you're you know having a like a negative vibration right but i don't i don't think that's um in such a transient way as as far as like so like say like 90 percent of the time i'm like super positive super upbeat and i'm having positive contact i don't think that one day i'm having a crappy day that i'm all all of a sudden gonna have that bad experience I think it is it's relative to your kind of like baseline, right? So if your baseline like super negative, super fearful, I, I think you're more likely in that sense. Like if you're just like, you know, like in the rut for like a few years, that's you know, in that kind of way, you'd probably be more open to a negative experience just because that's your mindset at that point. Right. Exactly. Um, but I think, um, like if you're just having a bad day and, you know, I don't think you have to be concerned that you're going to invite some kind of negative experience. If most of the time that's not your baseline. Um, beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I am familiar with actually, um, you said you had Bob Davis on. He he did a, a excellent talk too with I believe um Jeffrey Mishlove, um, who I'm I'm gonna have on my podcast. Congrats, um, that's awesome. That that guy is a legend. Get Bob on too, man. He's awesome. You will love that dude. I know I wanted to when I first saw him on, I wanted because I know you know um Ray Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he just moved like two hours away from me. I've, oh, really? I've known Ray. Yeah. I, I interviewed him on an old podcast I was on. I've known Ray for a few years. Um, oh, that is. Yeah. So I, I know I'm familiar with the, uh, it's now CCRI, I believe, um, the Conscious Contact Research Institute. Yes. It used to be the Edgar Mitchell Foundation and the Free Foundation, but they, they changed it again. Their new book is coming out in September, I believe. Um, my friend, Dr. Joseph Burks, who you should totally have on. Um, you got to hate the guy's a legend, Dr. Joseph Burks. I can put you in touch with him. Um, he's writing a chapter in that book. Um, 
that I, the, the book is called um, the greater reality. And I totally vibe with that. Yeah. Um, because my contact opened me up to a greater reality. You know, I often talk about contact as, as an, like an instigation for an awakening or, you know, contact is an awakening experience because again, it's where the, the rubber meets the road with, with, um, you know, physical, tangible, objective reality with seeing an actual real object, a UFO that other people can see, but there's a almost, um, there's a psychic component to it or a consciousness component to it that Jacques Vallée and Dr. John, Alan Hynek called high strangeness. John Keel. Hell but, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's physically real yet it's kind of leading us in the direction of, you know, what people would call metaphysics. But, you know, I think all that stuff, telepathy and, and, and downloads and, um, all this consciousness stuff, you know, I don't think it's magic, right? Even even if they're extra dimensional and they're not using technology per se, they're using innate abilities that they have. I think all the stuff is going to eventually be scientifically explainable, right? There's there's going to be a bridge. Um, I think eventually, you know, they you know they're already looking. And if you know, I've I've talked about the A tip slides, right? So all the stuff on the A tip slides. Um, for for people listening, ATIP was the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. It was a Pentagon program studying UFOs, and there were nine slides leaked out. Well, actually, there were seven slides um, leaked out, but we have, or no, yeah, we have seven of them. There are two slides that I believe we we don't have, but of the nine slides, slide nine is talking about UFO intelligence. Uh, and uh, there's all these crazy things on that slide. That's it's talking about different technologies or, or, um, means that UFO intelligence has and, um, you know, passing through solid objects, um, cognitive human interface, which when I interviewed Lou Elizondo, he said, it's basically your CE five, right? Conscious interaction with UFO intelligence. Um, and and there's a whole there's another one talking about time split time space displacement and all this, and um, it's all these radical things. But it's on a briefing slide that was used to to brief the Pentagon, and and the purpose of the slides was not like, hey guys, look at this mumbo jumbo we found. The purpose of this program was to study that stuff, write theoretical papers, which they wrote thirty eight uh, um, theoretical papers on it. Um, and, and see if we can recreate this technology in 50 years. That's what they were trying to do. So this stuff, even though it sounds far out, the Pentagon was seeing if we can try to recreate some of the stuff in 50 years. So it's not even like we're talking about a thousand years ahead of us that we might be able to do some of the stuff, you know, or at least understand it theoretically and mathematically before we can implement technologies to recreate that effect. 
You know, and then you get stories like Bob Lazar, and of course, I believe Bob's story. I believe that that's what Bob saw. Now, there's some conjecture on if it was set up for him to see, and therefore it would be convincing. I mean, then that's another argument. But either way, that dude, I don't think is a fraud. But then whenever you walk back in these cases where you've got, you know, Ben Rich of Lockheed Skunk Works telling us that we knew, you know, back in the 60s, right, that we knew how to take E.T. home and that you couldn't imagine. And I had uh, Jim Goodall on, and he was telling me about this. And he said, uh, you know, and Ben and him were, uh, pen pals basically they'd call each other on the phone hang out write letters and stuff so he was very intimately connected with him and he could verify all of that stuff of course through Benrich telling him that but still it shows an engagement in the phenomena a lot longer than they've been telling us right what do you think do you think that they know exactly what's going on I don't think that they know exactly what's going on but I do think that they have the hardware I think they have crash retrievals um I think that they've, they've certainly tried to reverse engineer it. And that, and that's where you get into a lot of debate, right? I, I think, I think most of the researchers and there, there's, there's just like a section of researchers that don't believe that we have hardware or they don't believe that we've tried to reverse engineer it. But I think the majority of the research community believes that, that there were crashes and there's crash retrievals and, and materials that we have in our possession um, that are truly you know, so-called alien technology. Um, actually, uh, another dude you got to have on is, is uh, Ross Coltart. Oh, Did you, do you know yeah. Him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very he, cool. Dude is totally awesome. And, you know, the guy is an investigative reporter. He used to be a 60 Minutes reporter for Australia. Super serious journalist. Took the story on. And he's pulling no punches. The guy is going for broke He's going for um, the crash retrieval story, reverse engineering technology, and he allegedly spoke to an individual named, um, oh, what's his name, Nat Kobitz, who um, was on his deathbed. You know, he was dying of cancer, and he told Ross that he was read into reverse engineering programs. And this guy, when you look him up, the guy was the head of like naval uh, naval research science. <laughs> you know, like he would have been the guy that would know. You know, so um, that's that pretty incredible to me. And, uh, and and then again, you have people like Dr. Eric Davis, who have you know he's quiet now because of certain things, but um, you know he's one of those guys who has a security clearance and he's currently still working. Um, and but he said in the past, I guess probably when he was working for a different company or something, that uh, there have been crash retrievals. We've tried to reverse engineer the technology, but we've gotten like nowhere. The, um, so the way he describes it is that um, it's like giving an iPhone to like a caveman, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's forget about the the microchips and 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 everything else. We can't even we don't even know what the plastic is. I heard that it Not was the, even, like the equivalent of dropping a nuclear reactor back in ancient times, and and they would and th- them trying to figure it out. That's the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. it's you crazy. Know, you don't know what it does. Number one, number two, you can't even create the most, um, you know, basic material. You know, forget about the 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 energy generation device that whatever you know, makes the energy for the device, just the, the basic skin of the device. Yeah. The is, facade, dude, <laughs> that's all we need. It's like <laughs> way there. beyond is way beyond anything that we can even 
produce. Um, so that's that's another perspective. I I don't know. I think that I think that a lot we've developed technologies based on empirical observations of that technology. So something something like the Philip Corso story, and and that's another thing. Dr. Eric Davis said he he investigated uh, Colonel um, Philip Corso's um, claims. And 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 they checked out, meaning that some of them were true. And and Philip Corso's story is that, you know, um, in in the '60s that he was uh, responsible for taking you know UFO technology and handing it out to to private contractors. He didn't tell them where it was from or what it did or anything like that. He just gave them it and said, "Listen, this is foreign technology. See if you can make heads or tails of it. How to you know what it can do. What, how to recreate it." And, and um, so that's that's kind of his story. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's hard to imagine um, that they were able to recreate the technology um, in any kind of real way. But I think they've probably made parodies to some of the effects, right? And there's a big speculation that the the B two stealth bomber uh, has mild anti gravity, not not that it's full anti gravitic but it's enough to create weight reduction. Yeah. Where they just electrify the outer, the leading edge. And then it creates like a a reduction in weight, which allows you of course to fly longer, less propulsion, you go faster, all that good stuff. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even if we're cut, you know, experimenting and implementing that in a basic way, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so that, you know, there's all these different angles to that. And, uh, then, you know, we have the metamaterials, you know, uh, Dr. Gary Nolan and, and, and Dr. Jacques Vallée have been looking into these alleged um, UFO materials that are anomalous. And, um, and that's a whole area of study. You know, the peer-reviewed papers are going to be coming out soon. Um, and that's the stuff gonna... he revealed on the phenomenon. James Fox's Correct. movie? Yeah, when he yeah, brought those yeah. metamaterial samples in and he was just guarding the hell out of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and Gary Nolan created a device, you know, for his own work in his own lab. And it just so happens that they're really good at looking at the atomic structure of materials. And so you can look at these materials on a, on a much finer structure than you could even 10 years ago, you know? So um, that's going to be, I think that's another thing that's going to be getting the scientific community involved because it's going to be a peer reviewed study. And from what I understand, it's already been taken well so far. Very cool. Dude, um, we are probably going to wrap it up here in just a little bit, but I want to have some fun with some crazy theories with you, if, if that's cool with you. Go ahead. All right. So yeah. you are open-minded, which is, again, one of the reasons you are such a fantastic researcher, man, because you're open-minded. So uh, with the thought idea that spirituality, that we're possibly all one, just connected here, just roaming about, uh, experiencing ourselves subjectively and all that good stuff— um, that's indistinguishable from perhaps the simulation theory idea. Do you dabble in that at all? Sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, I find the simulation theory very interesting. Right. So one would say that it could possibly explain the phenomena that we see that's unexplainable. And it's kind of either a glitch in the programming or it's very, very deliberate to show and hint at that there's a bigger reality out here. There's more than just this 3D reality that we look around and see. And this could explain the um, UFO phenomena. What do you think? Do you know, wait, do you know Rizwan Verk? Uh, huh. His name is his Riz, Rizwan Verk or Riz Verk. 
that's another guy you got to have on. I'm sorry. I've got a list. Really cool dude. He wrote a book called The Simulation Hypothesis or The Simulation Hypothesis. Excellent book. It asks these same questions. The guy is an MIT guy, uh, but he's worked on video games. Um, Super cool. He's into UFOs. He's into consciousness. Awesome guy. Um, Just that's like a side note. So if people are interested in that, they should look up the simulation hypothesis by Rizwan Verk. But my, my own, my own thinking on that is, is um, if, if, if UFO, if the UFO phenomenon is kind of like some kind of glitch, so to speak, or like an artifact, you know, it's just part of it. It's just part of the thing. Yeah. I would say only in the same way that we are. Okay. That's fair. Because I, I, I don't think it's some kind of meta system. And I know Jacques Vallée has dabbled in that. And I do think that um, metaphysically, we can say that there is like a hierarchy, right, of more, more greater intelligence systems, greater intelligence, greater intelligence, so to speak. But I think that the, the phenomenon, and, and, and I'm, this is partially because of the experiences that I had. Um, I, I do think that there are uh, intelligences that are individual units of consciousness just as us. You know, so I, I don't see like the UFO phenomenon as, as some kind of greater program that's just like a, uh, a CPU or an MPC or just doing its job thing. Um, I do think that they're individual units of consciousness just like us. Um, I, I think the greater you go up that chain of command and, and kind of like intelligent hierarchy, the more... Um, uh, unified that those systems are. So I, I, you know, I think if there is something like that, um, you're talking something on like a higher, almost like angelic level. And they're kind of of the same consciousness literally in the way that they, so even though they're kind of individual units, they're working on the same mind, you know, but I think the further you go down to our level, it's more individualized, more compartmentalized, uh, even in the, the, uh, the even though we have a, a unconscious collective and a collective consciousness that, you know, we're so stuck in our individual um, perceptions. Um, and I think that the greater you, you go up that chain, there's probably beings that are a little bit more advanced than us that are still kind of in that individual mind, but somewhere it reaches a point of like singularity where there is almost like a hive mind, I think. So that's, that's kind of like my kind of thought out. Cause I've thought about that, man. I thought, I think it's a fascinating question. I love those kind of questions. Um, and uh, I, I think that on a greater level, maybe, but I think there are individual entities and individual intelligences um, as well as maybe like a greater system like that. I, like that'd be all the way towards the top of the system. I think if there was something like that. Yeah, in a system or a sense of spirituality that's just individualistic consciousnesses, they're they're the same. They would be imperceivable, right? Until you figured out which one you were actually in, if you ever do figure that out, if that's even part of what you're privy to after death, right? Or after whatever we call death. I mean, like the mind wanders on this kind of stuff. This is what I love. Okay, let's go down another one. How about the idea that um that all the UFO phenomena, Bigfoot, everything, all it is, it's created by human beings or the Earth itself. It's a manifestation uh, of the Earth itself or it's a co-collective hallucination from human beings 
projecting it as something physical in this reality, it would also lend to the tulpa idea. Are you familiar with that idea and spirituality and paranormal stuff? The tulpa? It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. Tulpa are basically just thought forms. So they're things that, like, if I think of a purple alligator, then somewhere in some reality, the idea goes, there's a purple alligator that just got created. Now, it can then be in this reality as well. And that's also part of the idea. So they're called tulpas. And this type of thing, this thought form, you know, that could be what this is. Also, it would lend, so it just, the reason this falls in that category or possibly falls in that category, if you take just like the CE5 uh, thing that happens, you're basically thinking very hard, you're meditating very hard, your intent is out there to get contacted by some lights in the sky. And CE5, the close encounters of the fifth kind, of course, is just out, man. You know, they're not going to come down and take you up or anything like that. So it's it's safe. You know, it's it's um, it's harmless. So uh, but then what you're doing is you're using your intention to mentally call these ships down. So you could, based on this idea, be manifesting them and calling them to you because you're creating it. Because you do create your reality, even in this way, even in this thing that's unfathomable to us, you know, on some level. Another reason I think about this is because of, I was thinking this the other day about the Kenneth Arnold sighting. And yes, I do just kind of walk around town thinking about old uh, sightings (laughs) and kind of how they fit together. So back in the day, whenever people started reporting things like lights in the sky and things like that, they described them a variety of different ways. At some point, they began to get technologically able to understand what they were looking at and they could conceive it mentally, but they couldn't physically do it or construct it, right? So yeah. one of these examples, of course, is Vikings back in the day, they would see wooden ships or they would appear as wooden yeah, constructed yeah. ships, but they were flying. They couldn't do that. They could build wooden ships, but they couldn't make them fly. Then you look at things like um, it's just outside of us technologically. So the Foo Fighters in World War II, whatever the hell those were, possible Nazi weapon, we leave that open. But then also you look at things like the Kenneth Arnold sighting. So what made me think of this is it, it always seems to be technologically one step ahead of us, you know, or it can appear that way. Um, whenever the Kenneth Arnold sighting was described, it was described as flying saucers by the guy in the newspaper. Uh, that was just somebody that was interviewing him that described that. He said they look like saucers skipping over water, but he never said that the shape was as a dinner plate. He always said Delta, Delta and it had yeah. that point, right? <laughs> But after it was printed in the newspaper as him being quoted as saying flying saucer, a few months later we get Roswell, and it was described as a disc. That was the first time really that I can think of in the research I've done that a disc was described, right? So, well, and, and, and then you have Billy Meyer and you have all, the, all this other stuff, no matter what you think of it, but it, it, and then now look at what we've got. It's not flying silver discs in the sky. It's little tic-tac orb things that do all kinds of crazy stuff, go underwater. It, it just keeps jumping a little bit ahead, again, which kind of lends to this idea that it, it's possible that it's all psychosemantic. It's all something we create. And you've experienced your creation by calling it down via the CE5 yeah. stuff. It's possible. So my, my thinking on that is that is one fraction of the entire UFO phenomenon. I think that there are especially some people that are potently psychic that can create those experiences um, that could create an orb in the sky, possibly psychokinetically. I think that's possible for some of the events. Um, I don't think that the stuff that it like, just say Roswell is an example. I don't think that the hardware that we've obtained and, and those kind of crash reti- retrieval cases are like a ports, right. Or a ports. Um, although there are some kind of like a port phenomenon that where, you know, they collected stuff and it was 
kind of weird, but it didn't seem like technology. Um, so I think, I think that kind of um, what you're describing is, is possibly a fraction of the phenomenon, but I don't think it explains everything. No, of course not, because they can tap into our psyche, right? I mean, this has been evident with what you've experienced with uh, what, you know, a lot of people have talked about, about this telepathic communication, about this ability to communicate, to interact, all of that stuff, not needing words, and them just being able, like in the CE5 protocol, for instance, being able to come down and see you. Like, these are these are connections that are very personal. So if they can say, okay, they're making airplanes or they're making ships, let's really trip them out because we could see yeah. in their minds, and let's make one fly, even though they can't do that, right? So, you know, uh, another way to look at that, too, is and I, I always question this, is that we're, we're, say, the Vikings in this experience actually seeing boats in the sky? Or was that just their way of thinking about what they saw, even if it was like a cigar shaped ship or, you know what I mean? So Brilliant. there's the yep. two, two major ways to look at that. And I always question that. I always think, you know. Is that literally because the Japanese also um, had noted that they saw ships in the sky? The egg, and yeah, yeah. and There's so a famous was egg case where they landed the a female occupant got out, talked to these fishermen, and then shagged ass. Yeah, so I always wonder if they tried to just relate it to something that they can explain at the time. Like, uh, in other words, have we gotten better at describing and explaining things based on our own technological development? Um, it's a brilliant point you make, and I agree with you. And this is why I've, I've related it to the Kenneth Arnold versus the Roswell versus what we're experiencing now, because we do have evidence where they could describe flying machines, and they saw what they were, and then they could describe a disc again. We can see disc. We can make things fly. We can't make a disc fly. We just couldn't put the two together. And so that's yeah. why, in my mind, again, and yes, no, but referring all the way back, I mean, they called them demons. They called them angels. They called it fire. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Yeah. All of these descriptions absolutely have to be considered, and that's a phenomenal point, dude. Yeah. And I, I do think that there all there are also uh you know, we use the term angel and we it's a loaded term. So we have all these thoughts, you know, there's you know, there's nothing need be religious about an angel, right? It's just a, a particular kind of intelligent being, you know, but we ascribe all these attributes to that being and beliefs, um, which may not be close to the actual reality of what that entity or being actually is. Um, and I, and one of my experiences, um, the one that was like a trauma induced, induced OBE, I saw a light being. Um, and the, the only way I can describe it is that it, I somehow knew during this experience that this being was not separate from me. Um, so I, I don't know what to make of that. Right. Um, but that definitely did not seem to me to be like a UFO or ET kind of experience. That seemed like something on a whole nother level. Like and it was much, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was during a trauma induced OBE. So, well, that can, I, you know, that can release a lot of crazy shit in the body. I mean, and, and women hallucinate. This is one of the things that Terrence McKenna talks about with hallucinations is women going into birth go through a natural type of trip. And so whenever you're given an epidural or something, you kind of deprive them of that. But this can be induced. You know, DMT is all throughout your body. So this type of psychedelic experience can be induced based on stress. I mean, all kinds of factors. Yeah. 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 So, you know, yeah, I wonder about that, too. And actually, during that experience, I had this whole out of body experience where I was like above the whole thing, too. So, you know, that to me, that opens up so many um, different um, ideas and thoughts and, and questions. 
and um, just kind of circle back to the idea about the UFO phenomenon being the, the rubber meeting the road is um, the, the great um, and late Dr. John Mack. Uh, you know, he had that phrase passport to the cosmos. And, you know, he was saying like the UFO phenomenon and even even these um, experiences and the experiencers um, is is the it's like a passport to the cosmos. It's a passport. It's an invitation to the greater reality, you know, where where the UFO is is only almost like like the um, the initial uh, or like the window dressing, you know, and and. And that's just the beginning of everything. That it's just that next thought into a stream of of a much greater stream of thought, you know, where like, you know, yeah, when you have like a UFO experience, it makes you question, oh, are, we, are there other beings out there? But that's that's the initial question, and then you start getting deeper into the nature of reality, and it's like, oh wait, how did I have this communication or connection with? something you know not physically so it it break it shatters your paradigm and and you're off into a whole new <laughs> a whole new reality at that point james iandoli i cannot thank you enough man we are gonna we're gonna call it here so tell the folks out here where they can find you my friend yes sir and, and thanks for having me on you have a great show you ask great questions um you can find me anywhere at Engage in the Phenomenon, Engaging the Phenomenon on Twitter, Engaging the Phenomenon on YouTube, uh, Engaging the Phenomenon on, on podcast platforms like Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. James, dude, you're a badass, man. You're a sweetheart and you're awesome and you are <laughs> welcome anytime. You have a home here. And you and I need to do a shirt swap because I'm going to put a link to your shirts in the bottom of the show notes too. Dude, your shirts are badass. Uh, Vinny and I were talking about it. He wore it on, on the episode I had with him. Yeah. Vinny Adams, yeah. And we talked about you like five or six times in that episode. We Everybody loves you, dude. I'm telling you, man. So it was an honor to have you on. Thank you so much. You are welcome any damn time you want, dude, because I have so many more questions for you. So thanks again, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, man. And uh, thanks for having me on. I love Vinny. He, that guy's Tony Stark, Iron Man. <laughs> he really is. Totally looks like Iron, uh, like Tony Stark. And I, I hope to have you on my show soon. And uh, and hopefully I can come up in your area and visit you for a CE five sometime. Dude, I, you, have me on your. Show. I would be honored to be on your show. First of all, second of all, you are welcome at the ranch anytime. Come out here. We got land, dude. We'll make a weekend of it. Just come on out. It'll it'll be a lot of fun. We're gonna give your your ranch a name. <laughs> okay, got it. Let's do it. It's already got a name, Redigital Ranch, but let's uh, rename it for the CE5. There you go. <laughs> I dig it, dude. All right, man. Well, James, thanks again, brother. I really appreciate you, man. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Take care. And that is the kind of conversation you get when you get James Iandoli on your show because he knows everything. One of the most insightful people as far as the UFO phenomenon goes. I am grateful to have connected with James. We will be doing much more stuff in the future. Uh, Engaging the phenomenon, of course, is linked down below, guys, so make sure to check out the show notes. You can check out the show notes also for this amazing music that you're hearing underneath this. Uh, That is my buddy Vinny the Saint. Go down and check out his link tree uh, for all of the ways to find him and his music. Uh, absolutely grateful uh, that I know Vinny at all, uh, let alone the fact that he 
uh, lets us use some amazing music for the show. So thank you again, Vinny. Uh, also go down in the show description, guys, to find expandingrealitypodcast.com. The link is down there for the website, which will lead you to all of the socials, YouTube, Patreon, all that good stuff is there. Um, and you can do that through there. So go out into your week this week, guys. Keep your head in the clouds. Look around for some unidentified flying objects, UAPs, however you want to put it. Uh, go out and check out some mysteries that are still around here because this is a mysterious place riddled with them. So just go enjoy it. I go out into this week while you're doing that, of course, pick up a piece of litter, get out of that left-hand lane. Be nice to everybody that you come across no matter what. Uh, you know, uh, shift the energy there. Uh, and beyond all of that stuff, guys, uh, go out into your week this week and into this mysterious world. And y'all just focus on it. Be good to one another. Just be good to one another. That's it. Just try that. It changes your life and the world around you. Uh, thank y'all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.